On this episode, we talk about ideas to reinvent education, multiple career identities for life, and how to develop a human being holistically. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Experiment Q podcast. Experiment Q is a research initiative on a mission to develop technologies so people can document, analyze, and benefit from daily learning experiences, regardless if these experiences happen in a school environment or outside. The podcasting medium is a great way for us to find passionate educators and researchers and tell their story in a long format, unfiltered discussion, along with all the interview notes where you can find links to books, articles, and other interesting resources. Thank you for being with us, and without further ado, enjoy the next episode. Episode number one of Experiment Q podcasts. Today is July 6, 2017, and my guest is my dear friend and uh, an inspiration when it comes to education, Floris Kut. That's right. I'm yes, proud of welcome myself. welcome to my house. <laughs> Yeah, uh, for everyone listening, um, I am in Amsterdam at Floris Place. It's an amazing, creative mess, sorry, but in, in a yes, positive way. Well, that happens with geniuses, <laughs> although it's, of course, dangerous, in, especially in Dutch culture, to say you are a genius. No, <laughs> it's, um, you know, the, the environment is really special. There are a bunch of books around with uh, provoking titles, uh, pencils, um, and as science of various projects, board games, and so on, <laughs> and and a book from my friend Peter from Austria that I didn't expect to see here. So that was a yes, nice. Yes, who happens to also be a friend of mine, Peter Hackmeyer. Yeah, we'll discuss all uh, all about that. And uh, <coughs> now to give a glimpse of uh, who you are, uh, we'll start with a set of uh, uh, very quick Q and A. Um, and then we'll dive deeper into the topics yep. uh, that are covered by these questions. So, first, what are the free words or hashtags, <laughs> because we live in the time of social media, yeah. that best describe you? I would say uh, enthusiastic is one, uh, disruptive is two, and seeing and thinking in possibilities. Nice. Second, what's your favorite quality of a human being? Ooh, difficult one. I would say that everything comes from a place of love and hope. Mm. Continue the phrase, when I fail, I... I had another adventure. <laughs> uh, what music are you currently listening to? Uh, as as a band by name, it's OTT, and uh, but almost everything I listen is uh, crossover music, like um, modern remixes of world music with uh, modern beats. I would say. Mm. If you have a link, we can post that later in. The, yes, the I have my own sound cloud uh, list. Awesome. We'll we'll post the link. Next one. Um, what is your definition of play? Oh, that's I can talk for that question only for hours. But uh, so short, it's uh, every expression aimed at learning and creating fun for yourself. 
Mm. What is your biggest fear, either currently or in your life in general? Um, one would be becoming unhealthy and incapable of doing what I do and love. Uh, and uh, an other is boredom. Mm. And about that, <laughs> what does your morning routine look like? My morning routine? Uh, that's uh, uh, having <laughs> breakfast with some uh, YouTube videos and then uh, uh, either go out and do work or uh, look, feel what I want to do that day. And then uh, working on the project that my uh, passion goes for. Mm. Not necessarily always the smartest or most orderly plan. <laughs> like today I wrote a whole blog post on the refugee crisis. I don't think it's very good, but that was what my energy went to today. Oh, we can, we can discuss <coughs> that later in the, in the episode. Now, when you say the word success or, or successful, who are the people that come to your mind? Uh, one would be, uh, to my own surprise that he comes to mind, still I would say Peter Spinder, who's uh, struggling financially all the time in his life, but uh, he created Nomads, an alternative school, which I'm part of. And uh, he also makes uh, adventures in his life. Another, uh, Peter Hackmeyer, we just mentioned him, but uh, who stepped out of uh, a life that fell too tight in and expanded his borders uh, literally and mentally in many ways and wrote books about that. Um, and people who have whatever age they have still have shiny eyes and love what they're doing. Like, like you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the last one, and that's perfect transition into the broader discussion <coughs> that we'll have today. Why education? Why are you into this uh, community of passionate people who want to do something about education? It, that, that you want still want a quick answer? Yes. We'll have uh, the, the, the time quick to answer is <laughs> things in my youth and uh, grabbed by it and somehow enjoying uh, working with groups, especially with young people who uh, have some fire and, um, and giving me also the feeling that I myself can explore life and things that matter together with young people. Mm. Now, let's dive into these questions and try to uncover what's, uh, what's underneath it. So, first of all, I, I will try to give my own interpretation or description of uh, who you are. And that's highly subjective. Um, I need to uh, say that. Um, I believe I, I met you first time in 2012 when I came with uh, Peter Greyer to Nomads first experience uh, of, of t in this Philip school. Philip Geyer. Yeah. You said Peter, but it's Philip okay. Geyer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, pardon, uh, Philip. Um, now, uh, and, and we continue to, to go in this journey of visiting uh, Germany, Denmark, um, and, and obviously also Netherlands at the Nomads to look for alternative educators or, or schools. Then I moved into... Um, 
nomad school as a resident because I also transitioned from Austria to Netherlands and this was a familiar space. And that's where I had the chance to see you again and again perform with, uh, with uh, the students and, and conduct different uh, sessions. And it was very inspiring to me. It was kind of a mix of Eastern Buddhism, meditation, calm and Yoda type of teaching. Uh, and with a bit of um, freedom and play of the Westerner. Um, it, then I, I also had the chance to see some of your writing, to discuss with you. And to me, this is a bit of more kind of left wing, very much community driven uh, uh, agenda or thought. Maybe it's now as politics is, is everywhere. It doesn't have... It's everywhere, although I wouldn't call it left wing <laughs> because the whole left wing, left wing debate, I yeah. think, is so 20th century and uh, not helping. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good point. But uh, as I said, it's subjective. Yes. Um, I, I had the chance to meet you many times, but perhaps that's, this is the first time where we sit together and when you have the chance to dive deeper into what what you do and what's yeah. uh, what's the thinking behind it. So first, if you have a replica on on that, and if you want to add anything about your personality and your work, this is no, the stage. No, <laughs> go go ahead, uh, answer, ask questions. All right. So uh, what I'm curious about is if you can recall any experiences from uh, your childhood time or yep. teenage time that kind of crafted what you do today. And and here I will use the opportunity to insert a small kind of umbrella topic for our conversation. And this would be this hy um, hypothesis that we are shaped by the total of our experiences in life. Our family, our, our you know community, the city we live in, the country, and so on. So the question, I guess, that I want to start is: What experiences shaped the character that you have today, and and the kind of work that you do today? Yeah, and uh, while you were explaining this, I was starting thinking back on: Do I have any? Reflection on your introduction. I really love what you said about uh, mixing Eastern philosophy and Western freedom. That felt as a huge compliment. And uh, indeed, I think it is so. And we'll come back to that later. <coughs> um, I'm a, a born a suburb kid, suburban kid, Dutch suburban. Now, it almost doesn't matter which city it was, because all suburbs are the same. Yet my family uh, turned out to be more and more different than many other families, uh, mostly because it had been hit so hard in the war. Uh, three of my f four grandparents had been in the resistance. One died in a concentration camp. Uh, my own father had been uh, wanted by the Germans. Um, <coughs> uh, my mother was in the hunger winter. Uh, my father lost also two brothers. My mother's her parents' house got burned down by the Germans. So I was raised also very anti-German. So this is, but it also there was this heritage in my family. We stand for something, you know. And what is that? Well, in the, in the war, it was obviously against the Nazi regime. 
the the, par- the grandparents who had the, their house burned down had people hiding in that house. They all could escape. But there were some German deserters, Jews and uh, American uh, or pilots, English pilots. So they had a lot of people in their house, uh, in the, which was in the middle of the forest. Uh, so, so if things are unjust, you stand up, you know, even if it's against the law. Mm. Not that I'm a criminal, but uh, there is a deeper law I feel I need to adhere to than what is the official law of the country. Do you mean a certain code of conduct or a set of values that you stand for? And currently I don't feel I need to act rebellious or against the law, but uh, there's a, is the law just, is a a good question to ask always, you know. And of course the law is unjust in some cases and sometimes very just, but we don't live in a tyranny. That's, you know, that's that's Mm. something... The same goes for schools. So when it's about school, I, I went to, as a five-year-old, I went to school and uh, I, I wanted to be nice to the teacher because that's how you do. And my parents told me at school, they tell you how school works and how life works and the world works and uh, they're there to help you. Okay, I, I can understand this. And then I think in the first two weeks, I made a drawing for my teacher. You know, the classic children's drawing. There's a stick figures and there's uh, <laughs> some clouds and a sun. And, and I bring the drawing to the teacher. And outside is a beautiful day, clear blue skies, clear white clouds in, the, in that sky. And the teacher looks at my drawing and says, you draw clouds with blue. Mm. And I go, what? Because outside the clouds are very clearly white. So there's a kind of shock to my system. And it's not that I literally think this, but there was this kind of, well, lady, if it's between what you say is true and what I observe is true, what I observe is true will win. You know, it's almost the same mm-hmm. as standing up uh, and of becoming part of the resistance. Now, and all through education, I had this secret thing checking all the time. Do I believe this is true? Mm. Um, so that's what. So wh- where that is that questioning coming from? Well, because the shock that she tells me something that's clearly not true. I was there hoping she would tell me the truth and some things I didn't know yet, and she tells me something that's clearly untrue. Now there are many possible interpretations of what she meant by clouds you draw with blue, like make a blue line, and then we pretend that everything around. Outside that blue line is the blue sky. You know, I was too young to make the whole paper blue and spare out the white bits. Mm. And uh, that's a conceptual thing. I only arrived at much later. Um, And another thing happened when I was 10. I was called in front of the blackboard and I totally choked up. So I've been... (laughs) Much of my life, a very shy kid. I was very shy, uh, in hiding, you could say... Uh, being very sensitive about what I said or not. So I'm called in front of the classroom. I totally choke up. And uh, I I want to help the teacher. And he's looking at me like in despair, like, oh my God, what a failure. And my classmates all look at me like, boring, come on. You know, and this is Mm. endless time of feeling terrible in front of the classroom. And at the same time, I think to myself, this is strange. 
Here I am totally choked up, while on the playing grounds, I'm a normal kid like everybody else. What, what, how, where does this difference come from? I must remember this for later. And especially the thought, I must remember this for later, uh, made me always remember this. And then years later, uh, in 2004, when I first entered alternative education, this thought came up. I thought, now is later. I have mm. to start living that question. I choked up because of authority. I, I didn't understand it then, but now I know it was trying to please authority while not uh, knowing how and uh, try to help, but being very shy. So, so 2004 is the year that you kind of switched towards alternative education yes. and you started what you do today. What happened in that year that you made the move? Um, uh, together with a guy called Peter Linde, we organized a conference uh, as part of members of something called the Chaos Forum, which was a mm. loose network of trainers, consultants, uh, scientists around a chaos and complexity theory. And if chaos and complexity theory is true and more real about uh, the essence of nature and reality while all organizations are still in the Newtonian uh, reality and Descartesian reality um, the separation of body and mind so the hospital has had still at that time certainly and still has a strong separation between body and mind you're sick in your body we repair your body and whoever is present in your personality and soul is doesn't matter mm. but now more and more we see that it does matter and alternative medicine shows that if you tr the um, quality of care and the quality of attention you get and the same goes for children the quality of attention you give results in growth you know it's, so it's not always the school method i'm not always even in favor of the newest educational methods it's the quality of attention and the warmth with which you teach. And of course, then also you need quality of teaching. Is uh, it also about the quality of parenting? That too. Let's not go there now. <laughs> Let, let's, let's stick to this, this explanation. So in this conference, we were going to research how can we shape organizations uh, in business and start perhaps a school that takes in these new insights about the nature of reality into account. And for that, we invited, because I heard about them and I was very curious about them, the Chaos Pilots in, in Denmark, which is also one of the exceptional schools. At that time, certainly it was. We invited Uffe Elbeck, the, the founder, kind of, of that school. <coughs> and... Uh, He came and we flirted with him and he flirted back. And, uh, and that led to a long story to uh, the start of Caspides Netherlands. And when that mm. school stopped, uh, and I was part of creating Caspides Netherlands, I even worked for a bit in Denmark for the Caspides. And then I returned to the Netherlands. We started Caspides Netherlands. That faded away. And then I became part of now Nomads. And so now, you are one of the founding members of this. Yeah, group. one of the co-founders. Peter Spinner is the, I would say, the fire starter. And uh, there were about nine other people 
who were really uh, into helping him. And what, what year was that? When the nomads that was started? in 2009, we started the conversations. And actually, it's beautiful how it started, because Peter Spinner, uh, I had conversations with Peter Spinner around coffee, and were great conversations, and at some point he says, come to the meeting, and then we'll... Uh, you know, move this further. And so I come to a meeting and there's all nine people. And he says, uh, okay, guys, we are the founders of the school and you're all staff. So suddenly I'm staff <laughs> without having ever done an application or a talk about expectations. And that kind of trust is beautiful. So mm. I, I think, still think that was a beautiful start and way to get a job. <laughs> and it's not full time. It's actually diminished, diminished, diminished. So actually for nomads, I'm now an elder. And I'm now also more involved in writing about education and or give alternative workshops and lessons and um, in Edu Shifts, where I wrote one of the chapters of a book. So we touched now on two separate projects on Nomads yes. Business School. We'll also discuss why it's called yep. the Business School and the Edu Shifts. But let's like get back to, <laughs> to the very beginning and yep. we'll come back yep. to, to these two projects, I promise. So... You mentioned a couple of experiences that defined or inspired the later work that yep. you did. Now, I'm also curious, whatever you define as your craft or superpower, did you have any specific methods while growing up uh, to, to work on your craft, to improve your craft? Uh, define growing up. That means what age... <laughs> I mean, f for as long as you remember yourself, um, let's say you you identified yourself with certain professions. I don't know, a thinker, a painter, an uh, educator. How did you work on kind of improving those identities, if I can yeah. say so? Well, one, I was a very playful child. So uh, in public, I was very shy, but uh, I was playful. I was also intellectual. I read. Uh, I, I tested very bad at school, but at the same time, I read already deep into the adult library, especially science fiction. I love mm. science fiction because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a visionary thinker or imaginary thinker. How do you call it? Visual, thi Visual. Visual thinker. Yes, there you go. Visionary as well, I believe. <laughs> <coughs> That's for others to decide. Um, but thank you. Um, I... In my, in my uh, school, school uh, writing notebooks, I always was drawing comics on the sideline and mm. make illustrations, sometimes even uh, while it was forbidden. But, and then I had to hide my notebooks so that the teacher couldn't see that was more drawing than actual schoolwork. I started inventing games very young. I'm still doing that, inventing games. Um, uh, and then around my, I studied history Dutch for a while. That bored me, and I, <laughs> and they told me you can't be a teacher because uh, you don't have what it takes. I was too shy still, mm. and somehow that hurt me. And somehow at that point uh, they were right because the first time I ever stood in front of a classroom, I totally choked up again. There you go, and I looked at them and I thought. I don't know what you're doing here. I don't know what I'm doing here. And if I look at the material I have to teach you, it's, it's awesomely boring, so I'm not interested. And then I went to another school, which was uh, called the AVEC, uh, School for Expression and Communication. Also worked a lot with theater. 
And there they taught me how to teach very well. It was a, I must say for me, it was a great school. It was an alternative school. We got our own keys to the school. I could vote. So we become a member of the school. Interesting. <laughs> What year was that? That was 1984. Cool. That's, that's a long time ago. <laughs> and, um, and there they also teach me how to teach from your own passion and interests. And that, I think, is a, is a core from what I work. You know, I follow my own interests and I take others with me on my journeys. So what, what were your key interests at that time? At that time, I think theater, definitely. Uh, thinking about life was definitely one of the things. Uh, also be, be curious, I think, on a deeper level. So, so to, to give three examples. One was, uh, there were two weeks, I felt like over 60. So as a young kid, somehow <laughs> I felt two weeks like over 60. And it was something that happened. It might be something in the brain. I have no clue. But I just noticed this. I didn't resist it. I just noticed it. And I thought, I don't want to be 60 like this. And I'm, I'm so happy I'm not... Getting 60 in that way because it felt gray and uh, boring, and but I was just noticing it. So you know, that kind of curiosity: how does that happen? What is how? Where does it come from? That feeling: I'm older than 60 now, for two weeks, and then it was also one day totally w gone. Was it was it like physically or like you felt wise and? <laughs> no, no, I, I just felt like I'm somebody over 60 and my options are limited, and I don't know what I'm actually doing and for what. <laughs> it felt, it was just a strange experience. Something flipped in my brain. So, so it also tells me that in your brain something can flip and then you can see and experience yourself very differently. So that's also an interesting. Another thing was that uh, same periods, it flipped in my mind that I knew everything. So for three days I walked around, I know everything. There's nothing more I need to research, like enlightenment mm -hmm. kind of experience. And uh, and that also became boring. So you see my fear of boredom. Um, but to f where was it coming from, and how how why do we need experiences, and what are we actually learning, and what for? All these questions came from this this moment. Mm. Uh, and also uh, observing myself. So I have a very strong self-reflective uh, power, I would say. And I only when I was deep in my 30s, I, I started to meet people who have no self-reflective capability at all. And they're sometimes managers of big corporations. So that was also very weird for me because mm. what these guys take decisions about other people and they don't know what how they will impact other people. And here I think, being shy for so long, I'm, I'm now a way more extro extrovert, uh, make sound, uh, big noises, etc. <laughs> But I have this sense of shy people and uh, the sense for shyer people. The empathy. Empathy. And I think empathy is, is so important. And it is not educated. Many of the shy people feel insecure 
but actually they're not insecure. So this is one also a drive or you could feel a love or even an anger about that many shy people think they're inadequate. They're not strong enough, but actually they have the sensitivity that the world needs way more of in leadership mm -hmm. and, and positions of leader of power rather than uh, the decisive in unempathic uh, assholes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so you went in 1984 into the theater and communication school. Yes. Um, and, and you had the experience to, to have the self-inquiry and to learn about proper way or better way of educating. Yes. So what happened in between 1984 and 2004 at the KS conference? Yes. Uh, after that school, which was a great school with also some very great, great teachers who really teached on a personal level. So, that, so they inspired me. The quality of their teaching touched me. Uh, and after school, I was not ready to go in teaching. I did theater. And then uh, between 1988 and about 1992, uh, I have been doing, uh, working on the 25 different job titles, or, or I would say 12 different jobs. I've been an illustrator, DJ, uh, directing commercials. <laughs> I uh, gave guest lectures. I've been acting uh, in youth theater. I've been acting on television. I did screenwriting. I did game design. I did event design. I even won two prizes with that. So I did all these creative jobs and got paid for it. And whenever a job ran out, were, I would... Were some of them uh, done in parallel or you would finish one and start another? Some were done in par parallel. So sometimes it was also like a photographer. I've only been twice had an assignment, <laughs> but paid assignment. Uh, and they helped to earn some money. So I wouldn't say no to uh, such an opportunity. At the same time, I felt I, I have some gift in looking. But I never felt really, I want to pursue this further. You know, I even tried to be illustrator. And then my uh, girlfriend broke up with me. I, I'm totally in my little room feeling horrible. Uh, drawing is not what you want to do. I wanted to work with people more. So then I left the whole illustration as a job. I kept on doing it a little bit um, but never big assignments never never ever <gasps> yeah I'm still <laughs> afraid of it <coughs> um, and uh, sometimes parallel but also one time I was uh, director for commercials and then there was a small economical crisis so that stopped and then I, almost out of the blue I got invited to take a job as an event designer <laughs> for role playing games for managers Interesting. Yes. And, and also that the previous job I also get by invitation. So in my life, I'm extremely uh, happy and rich, I would say, in that people invite me to do work. You know, and, and then now that I think of it, it happens so often in my life that uh, you know, it even touches me now. You know, as a, as a kind of, wow, that, isn't that wonderful? And it has to do with the love I think which with I do things the willingness I'm willing to totally explore things and go for it how, how do people find your work is it just through the word of mouth or you, you word of mouth yeah I don't even have a good website it's mm. So it's my network. It's also sending out, like in the blog, sending out blogs so people know I exist. Um, 
it's having a lot of friends, national and international. And uh, being, I think, also what I teach at Nomads is stay honest to yourself. What is your love? What is your passion? What do you burn for? Because if you express that to the world, the funny thing is that the world will... I used to be very afraid to express what I wanted because I, I would... You know, it's like giving yourself away. People might teach you or reject you over that. But I found if the more I express what I really would love to do, the more chances that people will invite me to do exactly that. And I'm very lucky with some friends like uh, one guy, Martijn Aslander, who's an incredibly mover in the Netherlands, of shape shaker of things. One of his gifts is that he will invite people and ask them to do that what they love to do. Hmm. So one in, of the things. In what context? Well, one of the things he uh, asked me to do is when I w- at a festival, uh, Floris, in, in 10 minutes we have the opening of the festival. Can you and uh, Lydian, uh, a great wo- woman, <laughs> can you do the opening ritual together? Of course we can. <laughs> But at the same time, I'm wondering oh, what we're going to do. And we had 10 minutes to talk about it. But, you know. Now, he said, you're the one that I, and I love that to be asked. So, so the, you know, that gift from him and him liking me or, or seeing talents in, in me and in many others, you know, that's, that's, I think, one of his gifts. So, so I think life is also more about, especially in the ZZP market, the independent professional markets, is way more, and this is part of Nomads, so we, huh, we post it again, mm-hmm. is about there's this network where people know who you ask for what and this feeling that you can ask and approach the people that you want, they make something work. I, I recently did a Nomads a half year, uh, a whole series in uh, workshops all about the theme, everything you've never had at school but should have had. Hmm. And... Uh, <coughs> You are a movement, it was called. So we did things on intuition and social courage and uh, um, you, understanding your your relationship with, with the system. You know, when, when this empowers many people, but how can it be empowering? That kind of workshops. And, uh, and, w- and there I also worked together each lesson with somebody who I felt had a special talent I didn't have, but I felt was necessary to bring there. I even give with uh, one former Nomad student, Coco, who is a <laughs> professional pop singer. We gave a singing lesson. So I also gave a singing lesson. So I also gave myself the challenges and the adventures. So, so I see that you dive already into the Nomads. Um, can we go back at that 2009 yep. point, uh, point in time and, and say at, at that meeting where you were nine people or, or ten... Yep. Uh, what was your thinking? What was the the definition of a new school? Like kind of the the why, the values that you put into that, and and uh, what did you eventually create? Well, I think before that goes comes around 2000 when I had done all these creative professions. Uh, and one day I walk into a bookstore and I see a book and I know if I buy that book my whole life will change how did you know that that's <laughs> the feeling hit me as a flash 
when you buy this book, your whole life will change and you don't know how. That was also remarkable. Through that book, I started uh, a company called Full Service, about, uh, together with another guy I met because of the book. And I got into the whole network of the alternative thinker, uh, modern leadership courses. Uh, the art of hosting came out of a network that I was involved in then. Mm. So it was a lot of, uh, and I, through that and an education, uh, psychology education, integral psychology education I did, I felt even more cr- freedom to, d- to start expressing to the world what I felt passionate about and that it had value. So it was not, I can only use, step into the world with uh, time-tested methods and approaches, but I can invent my own things and believe and trust that they have a value. And I think this, what I'm now saying, is part what I felt in 2009 could happen at this school by teaching that to others. So what I had been living then for a while, I felt this school can help other people to trust, and especially young people, I have a gift for the world and, it's, and I, I am allowed to live it. And or I can look at the world, what the world needs, and allowed to work on start working on solutions. And so that's I think a big part of my own journey, how that influenced how I look at education and what I wanted to teach. And at the same time, I know it's hey, I got an opportunity to play with <laughs> uh, young people and things that I was passionate about. And also, I always look at nomads and, and I've tried to look at what's missing and can I bring. So for a while, uh, my focus was on teaching creativity, sometimes a little bit uh, presentation skills and theater. And at some point, it switched more to teaching body work because I feel that through you express yourself to the body, but through the body, you also become more intuitive and sensitive to the world. And we need more sensitive people who are willing to feel is this right or not, you know, on a deeper level. Interesting. Because too many people do things from the head or just what the boss wants and not always what the boss wants or the target is helping the planet. It may only help the company. And I think we don't need more companies that screw up the planet. We need companies that help the company, help their employees, help the clients and help the planet. You know, if those Mm. four aren't helped... It's a bad company. <laughs> For me, simple as that. And, and I think, and I see, and I experience that lots of jobs can be become n- beautiful experiential experiences in life. So as I live my life, I try to give myself a journey rather than uh, reach something. Interesting that you mentioned the jobs. So we... I'll draw a parallel here, you know, and in, in, in the world, I, I guess, schooling and universities are mostly regarded as your ticket to a better jobs and the job would pay your bills. So that's how you will be okay in life. So when designing, it's very like super simplified. Uh, it's yes, more complex, but it's but a that, painful. Yes. Yeah. So when you designed Nomad School, did you like focus on this concept of employability, like our students will have good jobs or you 
No, not at all. Like, what was the thinking behind that? My thinking, and that's how I phrase it, I wanted students who left nomads that they felt they had the capability and the freedom to enter any field, any professional field, and add value there. Yet you called it a business school. Like, what's the connection? What I'm just saying is business also. Mm. If I enter any field and can add value, I might also get paid for it. Whether mm. that is as a business, as a project, or as a job. Some normal students want to have jobs. Others start a business. Others only do projects. But it's, you know, one of our students became singer-songwriter. She's touring <laughs> Germany from our business school because the, she was so playing the guitar all the time we said make a record yeah but you can never ma- I, I thought I would have started a business because you know that would make the money and uh, in music, music that's that's impossible but make a CD you don't need that many fans all across the country to be able to tour about and have at least uh, part of your income coming from being a musician nice Uh, other students uh, now there are some who are running a uh, call something called the Cas Cantina. It's a it's a it's a it's a cafe, kind of in a squat anti squatting building, <laughs> and they create a social environment around it with fun and humor and barbecues and everything. So so they create an environment. Other students started a ecological. Um, organic food catering for businesses. So bringing, <laughs> uh, you know, what businesses should be more aware of, the quality of your food. Uh, other t- two students started a business in visual harvesting while they had never done more than my, uh, how do you say, high school. So they never did any advanced education. And still within a year of opening their business, they worked for the European Commission. They now cool. stopped that business and both are doing different things. So, so so what what is your promise like towards this young people like come to nomads and you will experience what or you will if 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 skills were something you can put in your backpack what yeah what? there are skills you can put in your ba- backpack especially facilitation skills there's personal development there's collaboration skills so and there's a lot of uh, you have to do this yourself So one thing we do is unschooling. So in unschooling, the assignment could be, Tudor, here it comes, start. No, we've started. Yes. Yes, and your, your face now goes, what does he mean? What's expected of me? Now, schooling is that you know that we tell you what's expected and you act towards what's expected. But if you want to be an independent entrepreneur, you can't wait until somebody says, this is expected of you. You have to come up with your own thing. So if I say start, you start doing what you want to do, how you want to do it, and what for you want to do it. And to know these things and be in touch with these things is part of the education. And also, it was a lot of working with real-time, real-world clients. So you could test, do I have to give the capabilities? Mm. Uh, what actually does it mean to work for a client? Once we took our students to uh, Berlin for an international project with Otto Scharmer around uh, Theory U, and there was also students from uh, some other schools, and they, in mixed groups, they went to uh, real-world questions from real-world organizations. So one group comes to an organization 
and they come back and uh, the student from the other school says that was so weird this client didn't know what he wanted that's not a real client they should have given us a real client Whereas our student went, that oh, was interesting. He had a complex question and uh, he, he had his question clear so we could work on what his actual question was. Mm. You see how the there's way more reality there. So I was very proud of these students. Way more reality there, way more un, uh, not complaining about how things were or defining how things were, but also starting acting on what you feel might be part of the solution. What you say reminds me of another interview I had with a fellow entrepreneur in, in, in the education space from Paris. And he said the following, you cannot ask someone to, to teach you creativity or any other craft before you figure out yourself. So from what, what you say at Nomads, it feels like a place where you will come and have this space where you figure out yourself and then you also figure out how to add value in the world uh, because you have this interaction with various industries yeah. and, and other peers. Uh. Yeah, I, I think a very good example of this is also how this works because we think... Traditional education thinks no much is I puke information over you. <laughs> you puke it best back in the test. And if the, the overlap is uh, very well, then you scored very well. <laughs> we had a student who uh, was experience. Yeah, fighting <laughs> and struggling with nomads all the time. And he thought, I didn't learn squat. He was a German. <coughs> he had <laughs> left a very well-paid job in Shanghai to come to nomads. And he was quite of dissatisfied at Nomads at the end of his education <coughs> because all this struggling and, 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 and uh, talks and, uh, you know, researching things out. What does it lead to? Uh, I, have, I don't know. And then he went to uh, Brazil and he worked in the favelas with the Warriors with their weapons. And then he sent an apology letter. He said, <coughs> I've experienced here how much I learned at Nomads. I'm in these favelas, strange place for me. I'm totally capable of adding value, of uh, facilitate part of the process, uh, define what's going on. And I found that I can interact in these complex situations very well. And mm. that's all I learned at Nomads. Uh, and now he also became, for a long while, he also became an educator after that um, because he wanted to change the school system from the inside out. I think partially he gave it up. Now he has a more commercial job somewhere in Leipzig. Mm. But uh, you see how the struggling for and finding out for yourself actually trains character, trains capability, trains... Uh, at, at, at Chaos Pilots, they used to say, you get hired for your professional skills or CV and you get fired for your lack of social skills. Hmm. So social skills are way more important in business when you're actually in business than what most people in education seem to think. There is this talk now that a lot of business leaders say that we hire for attitude and the, the interest to learn quickly and new exactly. things. Exactly. Well, that's what we so, train. So how do you train people to learn? Like. What would be some of the steps or activities yeah, well, you do with students to inspire them or encourage or give them some techniques so they continuously learn? Yeah, 
Well, that's I'll, I'll now do a list. One, <laughs> one uh, from the top of my head. Uh, one of the things you do teach is unschooling. I told you already. So not reacting to what's expected, but finding out what you want to do yourself. Uh, one is being more aware and present in the world uh, through your body and experience and experience things and sensing things. Because there's where the signals come from. Hey, I love this and I don't want that. And this doesn't feel good. It gives also power to respond better to things. Um, it, it comes from doing a lot of small projects and assignments for how, how to prepare a project, how to run a project, uh, how to deal with clients, how to talk to clients uh, and experience that uh, several times. And fail also, fail, fail a lot, try things out, fail a lot. It comes from uh, things like a nature quest we do. So really introspection. What is it that I truly want stand for? Or who am I truly? What do I care about the most in the world? And what do I want to express through my profession and or business in the world? So hence we are a business school. But we start with personal development. It starts with collaborating with a lot of people. So in group processes, you see what role you take in the group. If you are, are you the leader in the group? And I've seen a lot of leaders take leadership positions and then fighting for it and then think, oh, no, that's not all I want. Or people who always have the black comments and then suddenly discover there's also value in that rather than the resistance. Uh, or people who are the, the humorist or the artist <laughs> or the, the sensitive one or the, 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 one, the mediator. So what, are, what is your group skill and can you develop more? So these are top from the head some things that are quite essential. I would also say social courage. So to stand for what you want, to fight for it, to uh, make a choice that's more personal regardless of what other people will think about it. You know, sometimes I, I compare nomads uh, like being gay coming out of the closet <laughs> in my drama school when I was in the 80s there were a lot of gay people because it took courage to go to a theater school because for the most part you were mad so the number of gay people was actually a higher percentage I think because they had come out of the closet and and then you start also expressing this I want really more than what everybody else expects you can mm -hmm. have that towards uh, being gay but you can also have that uh, I want to be a clown parents a clown <gasps> no I'd <laughs> rather have you be gay you know uh, that can happen uh, or I want to be a musician so at Nomads there's also this often this coming out of the closet with what you really want to work on Where last year uh, one student impressed me with I want to do interviews around the world with women about who's their inner goddess hmm. you know it's beautiful or we once had a student who said, my gift is to listen to the people who don't say anything. Awesome. What a gift. We need that kind of gifts in the world. You know, I don't <laughs> know. There's so many professions where you can feel this is needed, even though there's not, not a clear professional school that will ever train that. Mm. Talking about profession, I recently stumbled upon a research paper who talks about this idea of profession or they also use the word employability and not as something standard that the university can design or the government but more as a 
psychosocial construct as your identity. And it's it's also synonymous with your usefulness or your your ability to put your pers- your full personality and identity into good use for other causes or people and, and so yeah. on. Yeah. Although I wouldn't um stick it too much to the title. Yeah. Because I once heard of a guy who was an ABN bank director, <laughs> manager, you know, high high ranking manager, and then uh, the ABN bank wants to merge with uh, the Bank of Scotland, and then they changed the name for a short while. But in that period, he totally had a mental breakdown because he wasn't an ABN director anymore. He lost his identity. So the identity has to come from the inside and not to the frame. It's put on a sticker or... But that's that's actually... Uh, yes, the title I, put I, on top. I, I agree. It should be like this. Or there is more to humans that, than their job title. But sadly, a lot of people at parties or wherever yeah. you go, if you ask them, so what do you do? They don't ask an answer with their passion or their interest, they would usually say, I'm an accountant at this company, or I do yeah. that at <coughs> that company. So it also has to do with the question, mm. what do you do? So what is a better question? Well, who are you currently? Or what are you passionate about? Or uh, what are you working on in the world? For what? You know, what, 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 do, what problem are you solving? Could also <laughs> be very confronting. I'm not solving any problem in the world. Uh, and I'm bored with what I do. Oh my God, you know, and when you have <laughs> to give that kind of answers, you know, you have to change something perhaps. Um, you know, I, I work a lot with job titles. I have used in my life over more than 80. <laughs> so you can take on new stickers and throw old ones out. And and, and every, did you know that every day, uh, 75, about 75 new jobs are invented every day? Uh, like, but is it really like in substance a new job, or yes, or it's a different no, way do, to describe? I, the I do thing. reframing all the time, and sometimes it's it <laughs> is a really a different job. But uh, like, app designer is now a normal thing, but it wasn't twenty years ago, or even ten years ago, or even five years ago, or web designer. You know, uh, so web design is now a normal job. But it wasn't very long ago, and very very soon, many apps lead to new jobs uh, in themselves. You know, like uh, Google uh, Google Map Earth uh, Explorer. Engineer, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and I bet there's someone who is looking at Google Maps very closely every day and searching with a certain eye and finding things that he can post on the internet and as followers, and because of that has an income. <laughs> So it can be indeed very specific, very uh, new, tying into new technologies. Often it has to do with tying into new uh, technologies or possibilities or apps. That's interesting that you mentioned, for example, Google Maps. So um, that's perhaps, let's say quote-unquote, a career you can have for a couple of years, like you explore here and there. And then maybe a new technology comes along and you you switch to that. Where is, do you take your identity with you? Like, that, I guess that's my question when I mentioned about um, employability uh. and your identity. Like, 
it feels like we are in the time when there is no one job for a lifetime because no. also of the AI and robotization and, no. and uh, especially for you. But it, it becomes a norm also for, for most of the people. They will change multiple jobs within a lifetime. Yes. Um, at least from today uh, towards the next 10 years. It's, it's happening. And a lot of people struggle with this. First, because their education was very fixed. Yeah, but also they fix themselves to the identity of a profession, no title. So, so my a question profession. is, what's the alternative? How to, well, how to one construct the, other, the alternative? Well, one is, um, it's important, I think, at a certain age, and I love my students do that, uh, research their own identity. Who am I? At the same time, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I think it's changing all the time. Uh, because if I behave the same as I did 20 years ago, I'll still be different because a guy my age doing what I did 20 years ago is weird. And, but I'm changing also because I get mm. new things. So, so I'm a process between birth and death. And, and then I change all the time. So I must see myself as a process, not as a fixed thing. The fixed, fixing yourself is a problem in itself seeing yourself as a fixed thing or trying to discover the fixed thing because as soon as you frame yourself as a fixed thing it is not true anymore and there's other things outside that box you know then uh, another thing is to that I think I develop my, I develop myself around my themes so what is my my interest what do I stand up for I stand mm. up for human education i stand up for humanity i stand up for a world where you understand that our actions have consequences for the whole planet even if we can't see or are aware of that and that we need education that approaches these kind of insights and offers them as part of education that you don't study for a job anymore but you study for what are you helping the planet with what's your contribution to society and If you have a job that you can look at, what is it? Am I actually contributing? We don't need more plastic salesmen who reach targets and then are not aware what it does to the oceans or what we're that does to our food we take from the oceans. Because in almost all fish is now nanoplastics. Those kind of facts need to be more so that's knowledge that needs to be in education but it also leads to different attitudes towards education or how and what we educate it's also for me shocking that uh, many young people around 12 are very idealistic you know be nice to the animals so many children and around 8 to 12 you know have that there are uh, even animal magazines you know a lot <laughs> cater to that crowd and then somehow it disappears in high school and i think that's totally wrong I think it's possible that you light that fire even to bigger heights and give them the tools to do something with that fire. Those, that passion can also be a job. Um, I am an educator, so I get paid also by educations and by businesses to do business training. That's how I make my income. And I mm. get paid because I'm good at what I do. And I do it with a passion and a... I, certainly hope so a gleam in my eyes from oh, uh, we are here on an adventure and I even will sometimes fail in front of a group because I make try out a new exercise that doesn't work and um, as long as we all are capable to learn from that mistake because 
if I make the mistake, there's also the same principles at work that we are searching for also. Mm. You know, if I try to be nice to you and somehow it doesn't work, we also learn about what's needed for niceness. It's not <laughs> when I teach you that this is the, the best way to be nice. Mm. That's so, how we... What, so I, yeah. I guess what I'm hearing from that is that instead of training for a profession or a title we would have kind of a Venn diagram with topics that we have knowledge um, on and it's like different buckets of recipes that we can meet yes. to create new... And you have themes that you're, yeah. you're powerful in. And, and also one of the things I often say, so two things are more fun to say about this. <laughs> one is you become an expert at what you struggle with. So one of a uh, student I had was very wounded on the level of having uh, awful depressions and uh, people with slightly mental handicaps. And he started working with that theme and helping others with that theme because of his long, deep struggles with that theme. And he's now an expert in helping people and talking to them from a place where he knows how it is to be there mm -hmm. rather than having learned from a book. So he has an authentic force in that field. Another thing is that um, by work, I, I got a lot of jobs that people call me Flores. We have a crazy job, but <laughs> somehow we had to think of you because they know my package because it's a training in a castle and uh, there's about 20 managers and we want to ha also do some <laughs> movie making in, in the castle <laughs> during the training. And we don't know yet what the training is about, but we thought perhaps something like leadership. Uh, we don't know. <laughs> can right. you do that of course i can <laughs> lovely <laughs> interesting challenge you know I, I, mm. and then i start thinking but i know i have the baggage the luggage to uh to come up with a solution to what cook will, something to cook up something <laughs> so mm. that's that's indeed we become chefs that all have our own places where we are the there are also things clearly that people won't ask me for And that I would hope they would mm. ask me for, but they don't. Because they feel, you're bad at that. You suck at that, Flores. <laughs> you shouldn't do that. And I know one of the things is organizing things. I mm. also, that's not my love. So I avoid organizing things. So in this last example, you mentioned the <coughs> authenticity and, and being an expert. Do you believe that one should teach only f the things or the topics that they're absolutely experts in? And, and I will give you an example. I was in a youth organization called ISEC, and they, they have this program, Train the Trainers, where you would uh, learn how it is to deliver a session, how is to kind of yeah. uh, facilitate. Uh, and they, some of them would say that by using certain techniques and an approach to delivering a message, you could learn something uh, in a week or two and then go and just deliver the concepts do you believe that perhaps this um the 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 if you're an expert in the delivery and facilitation and you have passion for doing that but you're not an expert in in the topic should you still do it or not really both hmm. so and we helped a student to become a, a touring musician while not having any idea about the music industry. <laughs> so there's this quality of facilitation, and but she needed to learn play music and do the singing somewhere else. 
and mm. or knowing about the music industry. But we facilitated her guts and the tools to go for it. All right. So that's one. Another is um, I, I did two workshops that 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 challenged this idea that you can't. Uh, one is I have played less than hundred hours full on uh, piano, but I teach people. I learn people how to play the piano in fifteen minutes. I've developed a method, the Florissimo method. It's on YouTube. Florissimo. It's somewhere on the <laughs> on medium.com. You can find it somewhere, the Florissimo method, how to learn to play the piano in a short time. But you don't learn technically well. You learn how to improvise music on the piano. Hmm. You learn how that it sounds like music, your exploration, even and how to include incorporate your mistakes into the music so that it stays music. <laughs> Another thing once I teach is also this is experiment. So I'm curious. So I phrase these questions that you just ask, ask and make, turn them into workshops. So I did a workshop, direct mastery. Can you learn something directly without me not knowing about it and you not knowing about it? And I once, and I remember that I, I, I did it twice, this workshop. It failed with several people, but sometimes suddenly there was this remarkable change. I remember a guy said, I want to be a dancer. And he was 38 and hooky and in his movements. And um, he danced for us and it was immediately boring. So I gave him some <laughs> assignments and things to look for. And then he danced and it was fascinating to watch. So it wasn't technically good, but the audience was captivated. And then suddenly he stepped out of it and said, uh, now it's, uh, I lost the energy or the, uh, the quality of attention. So quality of attention, there it's mm. back again, made the difference. So yes, you can facilitate processes in people that will help them develop the knowledge that they need. Of course, there's always a point that you need uh, somebody who's technically advanced and can teach you the skill at a higher level. Mm. But it's not the basis of stepping into something. And I see also a lot of students do sometimes exercises I teach them and I see them, they apply them to others. And sometimes it totally doesn't work because they have not understood everything about the exercise. They, they thought it was beautiful for me, so I apply it and then it's in the wrong moment at the wrong group. At the same time, I sometimes see them facilitate things and they get away with it because they are so happy to try it out and are also willing to listen what comes back and if it starts failing they search together with the group what would make it work and that is mm. also learning i mean how did you learn walking there was not an expert that told you tutor first take your left foot yes move it forward <laughs> and then take your right foot yes no balance yes keep the balance Right foot, no, you're right. Foot. Nobody ever did that. The same with cycling. Somebody told you how to that you needed to steer straight. Your father would shout, "Steer straight!" <laughs> yes, but he didn't tell you how and, and the paddling. But there was a lot of things that you had to learn internally, keeping the balance. That's an internal thing you had to do. You learned by uh, making a lot of mistakes, and we can also learn way higher, more complex things like this. We are so preoccupied with knowledge that we lose and damage in many people their capability to learn new things. And they even become afraid to try new things. And that's, and that's deeply sad. And that's why mm. I love nomads, that we have no testing at all. Because it's all about 
trying out and and explore and learn by trying out. So so how would the students measure their like evolution? Is it do they keep a journal? Do they we uh, do say keep a journal. They don't all do, but <laughs> that, there's that. Uh, we have a half year and an end year presentation, and that says a lot. And then they look back. So they're guided questions at the beginning of the school, and we come back to those guided questions several times during the education, and certainly at the half year and the final presentation. Like, who am I? What do I want to do in the world? Uh, how can I get it done? Uh, how do I, etc. Questions like these. Is this information on the website? Yeah, that should be on the website, Nomads. K-N-O-Y-M-A-D-S dot N-L. So. uh, All right. Okay, I'll also put the the link to this. Um, Now to to transition towards the end and and discuss uh, two more things or... Uh, more than two things. So you mentioned this uh, dimension f- going from personal interests and topics towards adding value um, in this world or making the planet yeah. better. And in, in this context, um, I know that you have a bunch of projects that you work outside Netherlands. So one is uh, gentle Revolution. The Gentle Revolution, yes. And, and another is EduShifts. EduShifts, can, can, yeah, United. And, and, and maybe you have more. Can you give a bit of the context of these projects? And yeah, the Gentle Revolution is the... Uh, I started a blog called uh, Gentle Revolution and a Facebook group called The Gentle Revolution. Uh, it's through a talk with Philip Kreyer, actually. I was born in a conversation with him and several other people. And it was about, uh, there's so many people working for the right thing in the world. Also like Paul Hawkins' famous talk, um, A Blessed Unrest, of all the people in the world that try to work for a better world. And they're hardly in the media. So the media is full of terrorism and uh, economical deals and uh, accidents. But there's not every news item, a lot of people who do beautiful things for a better world. And I think our civilization rests on everyone who tries to work for a better world, you know, from sticking to the rules. I talked about uh, sometimes going against the laws, but Mm -hmm. sticking to the law and behaving as a civilian that uh, respects the land, the nature and others is, is essential to society. You know, if everybody immediately gets in fights, we break down uh, cohesion, we break down neighborhoods, we break down trust. I never have, almost never have business contracts. I think I signed only once in my career a business contract with a client or two times. Can you imagine after uh, 25 years of uh, working or even longer? Um, (coughs) So that's all based on trust and knowing each other. The gentle revolution is about all those people doing good, something good for the world and not, and sometimes thinking I'm alone and I'm struggling while there's so many beautiful mm. solutions out there. So you want to find those people and invite them in a community that is Yeah, or, or, but I don't want to be a leader of the community. So it's just, hey, guys, there's all these solutions out there. These are also beautiful people doing beautiful things. Be inspired. Trust that uh, you're not alone. Um, see what solutions are there Is possible. Is it an open group on it's Facebook? An, uh, it's a closed group because I don't want people jump, you know, start advertising. <laughs> but it's open to watch. 
I so see. I don't think it's not secret. So you can read everything, but you have to become a member if you want. Mm. And the Gentle Revolution, I blog about uh, in the blog on Medium. I blog about uh, topics that go to my heart. So changing education, how to become creative, more expressive. Uh, also, what uh, are problems in the world? So uh, one, one of them th- items is about uh, the, the elite. What can they learn from the Dutch? Is a, is a blog. So <laughs> I come up with things that I want to write about and I write about it. Or new story design. So the journey of the hero is a, one of the basic concepts about a hero. Stories, I think, isn't uh, right anymore. We also need stories where you can see that a collective of people can make a difference. So it's not one alpha exactly. woman or man. But yeah. it's It's a lot of people, and we need stories that are dead. And or stories that, like uh, the whole Iraq invasion happened on, once we chased away Saddam Hussein, then then we have killed the evil, then everything will turn out right. And it made a huge mess. So we need stories that say there's not one evil guy at the end of the movie, and once he's beaten, everything is solved. No, we need uh, movies that show that uh, perhaps that's the moment when it only begins. Mm. That the that things are complex networks, and we need wisdom, perhaps more than uh, fighting. Of course, I know you want to have an action movie, but mm. why not an action <laughs> movie in which the action goes to different kinds of confrontations that show you how complex things are, and there's not one evil bastard that if you take him out, everything is solved. So this these subjects are under the gentle revolution. Yes. So you have the group and then you yeah. have the blog. And also how to be a gentle re- re- rebel. So all these, <laughs> some, like guerrilla gardening or uh, the tiny house movement, you know, it's it's against the regulations, tiny house. But slowly there's so many people say, I want a tiny house that the government has to say, let's make space for that. So Really? It's happening? In the Netherlands, yes, there's there uh, there's a huge call for tiny house movement places, <laughs> and the government here and there starts. I think this is actually a good idea. I, I, is there like an official policy or something that I can? I link don't to? know exactly, but Would I know cool. it's it's crazy uh, happening much <laughs> fast everywhere. Interesting. At, at the same time, the regulations are not up to date to deal mm. it with it in a very proper way. All right. And now the the edu shifts. What edu shifts. That? That's uh, we wrote a book. Just wrote. So what I talk about is integral education. So in integral education, you approach humans not only from the view that you need to give them only information, but you have to develop the whole being. You also have to look at the specific gifts someone has, even if the school is not about it, because the gifts can be out of the box for you. So somebody who's destructive personality and mm. always shouting in class, you can think, uh, what an hey, asshole. you're bad. <laughs> what an asshole, bad student. But if you perhaps put him on the market and do sales on the market, and he's the one who shouts, fresh face, fresh face, you know, and and he could release that energy, or he could be in a, a kind of sport where you need power and voice as well. Dad, mm. take him, you know. Uh, <laughs> he could be awesome. So, but such people sometimes feel inadequate, go from school and think they can do nothing. So, so it's a beautiful idea. I totally support it. The only question that comes to no, my mind... No, I wasn't finished. 
So, um, so it's about right. these personal gifts, but it's also what does the world need and what will your work do for the world that you understand what your role is in the whole of things. You know, mm. the, the bankers who got their targets were f- responsible for the 2008 crisis. They got their targets. So job well done, according to their boss. But that's not how the world works. You have to also see what the impact of your job is on the world. But that would request the shift in mindset. Like exactly. A and edu shifts is about making the educational shift in mindset in education. The understanding that everyone is a full human being with much more potential than schools can see and or measure. And that we need a different approach to education to realize what are you helping and doing in the world. Exciting. At the same time, I have like a small critic in my mind yes, like, of course. On, on the shoulder saying, who decides or how do we define a complete or integral personality? Like, because to, to me, the, per, the, the, the personality comes more to the experiment uh, with the snowflakes where they play different music to water and then it yeah. freezes and it's like every single one. It's different. It's the same with yeah. the human being. So how do we, how do we, you know, um, visualize or even have a feeling or a way to express what an integral person is? Okay, I I don't know, <laughs> you know, and at the same time I do, or um, we are finding out, and to be it make it too strict in a model might kill actually what you want to achieve. But what I do know is that even there's these awesome teachers in traditional education who have a huge quality of attention. There it is again. This passion of and this sharpness of intention to get the best out of people. They make a huge difference in people's lives. Some, some young people say, oh, my life was cha- uh, saved by this teacher. So, it's, mm. so this is in the old model education already happening in... But then how can you integrate it more in a, as the core of education? And I think it has to do with understanding that humans have a being, uh, have a body, and become more interactive with their body and understand more, listen to the signals in their body. And then play, then we, uh, you ask what is play? Well, play is the ba- biological basis of learning. So why do schools prohibit playing or make separate moment now you can play but play is learning that's how all mammals learn is through play so we should make schools way more playful and wild you know we sit still for 15 years behind the bench uh listening describing looking at screens nowadays also and not in interaction with each other but as you see in nomads the the quality of interaction with each other is actually where you learn how to deal with uh, with life in favelas <laughs> or in uh, take up new jobs in total different circumstances and be able to respond to it uh, many world travelers young people who are world travelers also learn this without nomads so it's not that you need this kind of school or this school you can also learn it yourself or being involved have street wisdom so, so the lessons are everywhere, but to see we are a whole human being, approach people as a whole human being, having care for the whole, 
feel and sense if that person is work, uh, allowing their heart to be present in what they do, I would say is for me the core of education. If I feel touched, I, uh, if my students do final presentation, uh, I always hope I'm also touched, you know, uh, in a beautiful way that they went through something and, and mm. they make me cry, you know, <laughs> because then I know something, a flower is opening up, shining new possibilities for the world. And, and it doesn't have to be what I love. I once met a guy who wants to be a car salesman. <laughs> now, I have nothing with cars and nothing with sales in the way he had it. But the, the, his fascination about any small detail in a conversation, sales conversation talk with a client, his fascination for every little aspect of that talk made me totally feel that's the right guy to do that job. <laughs> Because it's his fascination. So become a sales guy. Mm. You mentioned about the, the personal touch. You also said that there are lessons all around us. Yes. And, and there is this big discussion now that in the 21st century, the biggest skill perhaps that we need to teach is to adapt to change, to learn throughout life and to be always ready to reinvent yourself, which we already pointed that it's a bit painful because people grow into an identity. So what, what is your take on, on lifelong learning and, and how the schools could, could play a better game here? Well, one is uh, really... First, what you touched upon... If you ask general group of people, big group of people, I did it several times, and you ask, what's your biggest lesson in life? Or your two or three <laughs> biggest lessons in life, moments that, that really, yeah. It is rarely in school, strange, <laughs> not strangely <laughs> enough, because of the system. Or it's in spite of school. I had this horrible experience in school, and then I solved it in this way, and it made me realize that I you know, can stand up for myself. That's then the biggest lesson, but it's not in spite of school rather than because of school. School could be a such more alive place where things happen thanks to school. Mm. Um, so lifelong learning can be boosted if you understand this. Lifelong learning can be boosted by offering people more experience, more freedom to fail. You know, if... if Tests in themselves have this horrible thing that in the course of uh, 15 years of education, you do a lot of tests. And in the test, you have to come up with the right answer. So actually, we train compliance and we train there's a right answer. And we train if you fail the test, you have flunked and then you need to do it again. But in video games, we ha you fail the level all the time until you can do it. Yes, so... And failing is not bad, it's part of the adventure. So we should not see failure as a... And of course, you can even also in a video go, shit, no, I don't know. <laughs> why didn't I find it? But it's integrated in the experience. Also at Nomads, you can do projects and totally fail. And everybody says, wow, that the courage you had to do this. Now, mm. for that courage, traditional schools can't give you a high number. But we should. Because next time you'll do it differently. So, 
And I myself am a lifelong learner because I, I'm still reading uh, lots of things that are my interest. I try things out. <laughs> so one thing also you can test is try yourself out into the real world. So one thing I will do. And, and multiple roles. Yes, in multiple roles, but also you can. Uh, I, I can. Uh, I started a dialogue on a Facebook group, uh, system thinking. Uh, so somebody invited me into system thinking. I don't know exactly what system thinking is, but I, I write my answers or things that I think. Now, if people don't react to me, I clearly haven't understood it, or I didn't say anything <laughs> useful. But if a lot of people respond to me or react me or even invite me to another group system thinking leadership you know that that mm -hmm. that must say that i added value there so so one of the things to do lifelong learning is to see how you are received by others where you bring your value and then you discover your own level mm -hmm. i'm not a very clever writer i know i now read some guys who are so awesome beautiful writers uh One guy called Christian Wahl with W-H-A-H-L. Brilliant writer. I can't do his level. So also with the, the Gentle Revolution, I, I see I cater for the group where, where we trigger new ideas. And then <laughs> the deepening has to, do, to be done by someone else. Someone else, but it has to do with because in English, my <laughs> and or academic, I'm not academically trained. So... I find in the world my own level of talking and find where that level, my level, adds value rather than compare myself to the people who are the best and then think I'm not like them, so I can't do this. No, mm -hmm. I, I can find where my level and approach and voice is well received and mm -hmm. that everybody can try out and learn and deepen. And from that stance, as we t you asked before, if you don't understand something, can you still teach it? Or enter a new field with it? Yeah, you can. Why questions? <laughs> to give one more example, I once was hired to do commercials. So direct, <laughs> write and direct commercials for, the, right. for television. And I hadn't done any filming uh, lately, but they wanted me anyway. So I thought, <laughs> oh my God, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm the technique, oh my God, I forgot ever so much. Uh, how am I, I'm not going bluff. I'm just going to ask all the questions that I have. So what does the editor do? And I felt embarrassed asking that question because traditional school says that's bad. You have to know. So I asked, what does the editor do? Can I, who hires, decides who's the cameraman? Can I uh, rule the camera out, rule, overrank the cameraman if I want a shot taken from a different angle? And after two weeks, I'm called to the boss and I think they're going to complain because I asked so many stupid questions and they said, Flores, you're awesome. You're really awesome. You ask, you are such a professional. You ask so many questions <laughs> that we as an organization haven't yet answers on that, that you help us as an organization grow immensely. Cool. By being the naive, I don't know. So, so it was so valuable to not bluff, but to be as stupid as I was <laughs> about it, that I was helping everybody through that. So that's where you can enter any field By being the naive, I don't get it yet. Mm. It, it feels like we can continue for, for hours and, yes. and dive into different uh, 
stories of your 80 plus uh, <laughs> um, job descriptions and, and yes, multiple jobs <coughs> but i would love now to per perhaps we can we can continue with uh, one or two follow-up articles on on the episode that is going to end up uh, on on soundcloud and itunes and other platforms yep. but now i want to to go full circle back to the beginning and and uh, end this episode with a set of quick questions yeah. and answers. Yeah. Before you go there, I first want to say more about 80 Shifts because I think right. I, that this is an informal network of global change, education change people. And they, we wrote a book with 16 people together about how education could be different. And I think that the change comes to spread the whole ideas and investigate in what other uh, schools are possible and what other what qu problems you have in your uh, school, how you can address them in many different ways to be more explorative about it or, or more shout out, I, wanna, I want this to do this different, is needed to make that change in the world that we need for education. Mm. Cool. Your quick so, fire session. Um, this, this can take slightly longer uh then the the answers at the beginning so what is your wish or vision for the future of education well okay i shouldn't have gone back to education <laughs> because here it is uh, my vision is that education becomes way more uh human human way more uh full human being and integral way more playful way more uh caring for the planet and helping people to prepare to help the planet and society as a whole and not only just do their job uh, to be more aware about the world in, in, in a, on, a, on a conscious level about what are we doing to our environment um, way more uh, looking at individual gifts and how and where they could shine regardless if I like the gift or it's disturbance in class but uh, I know one guy who had um, HDAD mm. he's a sound technician he does a hundred buttons on the sound technician you know when, when you make studio recordings with his quickness and his being everywhere at the same time. So he can talk to the artist, he can talk to the producer behind him on the couch and he does the thousand <laughs> buttons of the sound engineer because of HDAD. So it's not a problem. In school it's a problem, but it's not a problem in his job. It makes him an expert in his job. Mm. So that should that's what I hope for, a mm. difference in education. Oh, can you share some works like books or articles or some thinkers that inspired you when it comes to interesting work in the education field uh yeah the art of possibility by benjamin zander it's it's it, this guy loves to teach in a, and you feel it all throughout the book <laughs> um i think the element by ken robinson yeah watch the movie everybody's seen it uh i think you should also watch sully breaks a young black guy in america in england who talks beautiful poetry about change spoken of education word. spoken word uh i uh, um there's some there's a kid who is a tedx he's 14 or 15 he did a self-education at home on homeschooling mm. in a beautiful way um I think um, um, 
man, there's so much. I think everybody should read the Tao Te Ching. It's not about education, but it's uh, Chinese philosophy that will flip your mind. And each time you read it, you will discover new <laughs> things. And it helps you to understand the world on a deeper level. I think uh, some Buddhistic works also may help to understand uh, what life is about. Uh, read also the reg biggest regrets of the dying. I think when you understand what the biggest regrets of the dying is, what you need to teach to make people prepare them that they don't have those <laughs> regrets at the end of life. You know, it's mm -hmm. so natural to think in this way because then you look at the whole being. Um, uh, or reinventing organizations. No, that's that's for business. <laughs> awesome book. I think a thousand sons is the best article I read on education in 2016. It's called A Thousand Rivers. Sorry, mm. it's called A Thousand Rivers. If you Google it, Education, A Thousand Rivers. Awesome article. It's long, but very comprehensive. Um, cool. Yeah, those are the first that come to mind. That's, that's a good list um, right there. So the last question, um, it's more of an open stage. So imagine you know, next month or over the years, there is, um, we can split this in two categories. There is a curious mind who maybe it's stuck in their classroom and wants to do something different. Or the second part, there is a teacher who really loves the crafts of teaching, but it's stuck within the frames of the national curriculum and, and so on. Um, what would be your like open mic style, the message um, for these teachers, for for the teacher and for the student that are both in in a stuck yeah. situation, and and you could you can speak as you speak to them directly. Okay, hello, people, um, dear teacher. Let's start with you first. Read uh, Ron Veronda. Uh, I think No Child Left Behind is a good book to start within the system. Uh, read Benjamin Zender, already mentioned. Read about John Taylor Ghetto and really be shocked uh, what he says and what you're doing to children so that you will fight harder. Um, follow your own inner passion. Uh, take children more to the outside world and play more in classroom and Believe that out of chaos, learning ha in chaos, learning happens, especially if it's playful chaos with some few minor game rules uh, and and bring out your own more personal stories about what touched you in your life because they matter they inspire children no child remembers the teacher they was boring and did all the right stuff on the right time everyone reminds the, the teacher who had shiny eyes and talked and was personal and and believed in you and showed that he believed in you and and for the students, um, I'm working on a project now. <coughs> this is a secret project. It's also for the teachers. Uh, we'll do a hackathon about it. It's called Bring Magic Back to School. And it's for everyone within the system, what they can do to challenge the system. So some things that you, you can do as a class, rate your teacher. He rates you. So rate your teacher. Give him a daily update about how he's doing. Your storytelling this week was... Awesome, but the way you uh, got angry at us for this and this, that's kind of sucked this week. So we give you a A plus or B plus this week or a C. And next teacher, 
teacher new chances uh hang a poster on the wall all your real interests so what you think in school is boring but your real interest even if it's gameplay if you play total war uh battles and empire building ask for a history lesson on empire building yes i want to know more about empire building the history of the world of empires uh hang it on the wall uh shooters ask more about the second world war uh what does it mean to be a shoulder and personally i like this one all the tricks the army uses to make you run towards bullets and with the chance that you die rather than say no to the madness so that's the personal thing uh also uh trust that what you do outside of school and really follow your passion might be in the end more important than school the paper works but it's not as important as everybody makes it believe i don't have an academic paper and it it really also i must be honest damaged sometimes my opportunities or people ask me to do things At the same time, I teach at sometimes even at universities. I'm asked to do lectures because I follow my passion and people feel I have something to say that I believe in and I can say it in a way that touches them. So (laughs) follow your own passion, be open, expressive about it, even if others laugh, then find the friends who don't laugh and find the place where what is your basic gift, even if it's HDAZ, where it shines Trust there's a place that you matter and people are waiting for you, desperately waiting for who you are, even if it's not at school and nobody believes it is. I grew up in a city full of technicians and everybody said, I said, I'm a creative. Well, but you can't make a living (laughs) with that. You have to teach, uh, learn uh, physics and biology and chemistry and i was bored by those things or not yet i've written now read read a lot of physics books so that changed but at that time everybody said you can't be anything else because it doesn't exist well there exists a world outside your environment travel find ways to travel and meet and different people because it will put you on fire and make you realize the world is so much bigger than the small scope of your own thinking and that of your environment (laughs) there's so many people with love and passion and and the strange thing is if you step with trust in the world and tour honestly then the world will open up to you I once met two guys from a high school in America and this one guy said, I'm an aggressive bastard and I don't know because that's all I learned at school to be aggressive and beat others up and I don't want it anymore. And I travel with a friend who restrains me each time I get aggressive and it's so beautiful. I'm learning how to be a better human being for the world. And and it was beautiful to to have him talk so honestly about where he came <laughs> from and seeing him during that travel changed and change and it was so inspiring also you know this is more than 30 years ago i met this guy and i still remember him being honest about what he was learning and being inspired so trust that even if you come from very far and if you don't think you can get anywhere watch this little movie i forgot his name but the guy who has no arms and no legs and has an awesome life so Mm. uh it's it's on on my mind yeah it's an eastern I, I, name I, I, but I he lives in the united states yeah. i think i will add the the link to this yes uh and that's so all right well 
everyone listening, I, I wish you were here with me to see um, Floris moving his hands <laughs> around and, and uh, sharing his message with so much passion. Um, on my side, I, w I really want to say thank you. I'm grateful for, for your time. And as I said, I, I'm sure we could continue it for an hour uh, or, or two more. Uh, you've done so many interesting projects that are Yes, inspiring. I have not given any <laughs> examples of exercises I do with groups. Damn. Okay, go for it. <laughs> Okay, one is Switchball. So f look on the on the, on the, uh, you, uh, on Medium Switchball. You find a new sport that breaks the ban of two tribes go to war team sports. So it mm. shatters that. There's uh, also <laughs> a game called Deathball, which is a cooperative game where you learn to. Over and these are games designed by you. by me. Yes, they are by mm. me. And Switchball also together with uh, Jan Paul de Beer, who is a s young, very flexible sports guy. <laughs> uh, but we wanted to come up with a total new sport with a new mindset for the 21st century. And I think we achieved it. There's, so <laughs> Death Ball is a cooperative game. Uh, there's also, um, well, there's, if you go find Switch on Dibble, there, there's a whole list of exercises I do. And I'm slowly building it. And uh, um, yeah, and or invite you, invent your own. All right. Okay. So uh, play games, invent games, learn uh, through life and... Yes. Look though, yeah. One more thing about those <laughs> exercises. One of the exercises I am all the way inventing at Nomads and I think is very important is not to give you answers, but to find, to help you find your own answers within. What are your mm. answers within? And to help you find them and discover them. And here mm -hmm. you can think of many exercises, but uh, I think that also is an addition I, I, I and many others are bringing to school. Cool. Um, I, I'm sure after this discussion, you have um, uh, more resources to share. And please, if you have any link to a video or an article that you think is relevant to this discussion, please send it. We'll add it to the show notes so people can get inspire and, and and do more research on this topic that we discussed um it, it i started with this hypothesis that we are shaped by the total of our experiences through life um and i i feel like we mention a, a lot of times um the the need to be open to new experiences and to try new things and to learn for life so Thank you for this powerful message. Thank you for all the incredible projects that you do and, and your willingness to experiment and then tell us the story behind it. Um, for everyone listening, this was episode... First of all, thank you for being with us. Yes, yeah, thank for you. For one hour and 40-something minutes. And thank you, <laughs> Tudor, for this... It's, uh, it's a pleasure. And, and you know, it's, experience. It's, it's episode number <laughs> one. So if anyone is listening and you want to share your feedback or comment on, on the episode or, or share other alternative arguments or comments or resources, please reach out at uh, Experiment Q on, on Twitter. You also can find the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, and other podcasting platform. And um, your feedback is more than welcome at any time. And uh, till uh, the next episode, we wish you a great journey in the land of education and um, 
you know and your whole life yes <laughs> in this it. magnificent world <laughs> thank you thank you very much and uh, all the best thank you bye hey there two quick notes before you leave for the day first of all thank you so so much for being with us for the first episode of experiment q we're so grateful for the opportunity to make this podcast and interact with some of the most inspiring people in the education field. Second, it's the very beginning of this project and we would love to build it together with people who care about making education better. So please reach out at experimentq.com or on Twitter at experimentq or on patreon.com at patreon.com forward slash experimentq and share your feedback your suggestions for the new episodes if you know someone who is doing amazing work in the education please let us know we would love to reach out and invite them as a guest on the show with this we want to wish you a great day and thank you so much again for being with us